whether you're in the parking lot or you're in your home, I'm just so glad you're with us this morning. I'm just believing God for His power to just be there for over you and blessing you today. I know these difficult times have caused us to, you know, have to uh, revert to methods like this of having church. I miss all y'all. I miss not having you here, but I'm really blessed this morning because there's a bunch of y'all sent in pictures, and, and right now today, you'll get to see it next week, but I've got a great big giant poster over the whole back of the church that I'm looking at that's all of your faces. So now I don't feel like I'm so naked up here just preaching to an empty church. I'm, I'm actually seeing your faces. And so it's awesome. It's amazing. But uh, I know that God is doing something this time. You know, the way I'm looking at it is we've started 100 churches. There's 100 churches started the way I'm looking at it. All over your homes, all over the, you know, by the Internet, going into the, to, to wherever you're at. And God is going to do something special with this. God's going to do something amazing with this. And so I don't know how much longer it's going to be like this, but I just know, man, keep hanging in there. Keep going forward. Keep loving your family. Keep standing in strong in faith. And you're going to see God do amazing things, amazing things. So praise the Lord. I want to give you a few announcements this morning before I get going. On the message, the second part of the message that I started last week. Now, I, I, I want you to know, we got to get inventive through these times. So what I've come up with is that, you know, like, you know, normally y'all gather in church here on a Sunday morning or, and, uh, you know, I mean, we try not to, but I know we are. We all go get in a habit of sitting in the same place and we get over here and we're over on this side of the church or you're over on that side of the church or wherever. And, and there's always people around you and you greet them. Well, so what I want to ask you to do is those people that you know that sit around you in church that you greet would be greeting this morning if you were here. Well, I want you just to, you know, get their phone number. And I found out that if you look on your little emojis, there's a handshake. So since we're supposed to be doing, you know, social distancing, not shaking hands, well, you can send somebody a handshake. And so go ahead and text those people. Let them know you still care about them. Let them know that, you know, hey, it is Sunday morning. But, you know, bless God, I'm for you. I'm here. I'm still, you know, you hadn't, uh, hadn't been forgotten. Because that's what's going to happen. See, we don't want to just become hermits. We don't want to get out there and distance ourselves so much from people that we lose relationships. Because relationships are the only thing you're going to take to heaven. Everything we've amassed on this earth, houses, lands, money, cars, boats, it isn't going to go with you to heaven. But relationships will go with you to heaven. So it's time for us to work on our relationship skills. So there's one thing you can do. Another thing you can be doing is, you know, and, and, and you may have, this may challenge you a little more. You have to get a little more technologically savvy here. But while this video is going on, you can make comments. You can send in a comment. Now, make sure they're nice. Oh, come on. You know, I got, it's hard enough as it is. Make sure you send in nice stuff. But you can send in a comment. We see it. They're going to give it to me after service. They show me the things going on. You can text me. You can, you know, just, just let me know you're still alive. Let me know you're still going out there. Amen. Just got a text right there. So uh, another thing you can do is called a watch party. You can go on Facebook because we're on Facebook at a water hole, at a water, a water hole for the world. The water hole utopia. Okay, YouTube's Waterhole for the World. You can find us there. Just go looking up 
You'll get me there. I'm sorry if I'm you know, messing it up here, but you can, just, you can find it. But you can go do a watch party. Now, a watch party is simply you're inviting your friends on your Facebook page to come and see uh, a watch party with you. And so it's a great way to evangelize people. It's a great, great way to you know, reach out and help other people and uh, let them know that, that you're still caring about them and, and getting faith. And, you know, I'm telling you, God's going to do something with all of this. He's going to do something with all this. So right now, you know, you may say, well, I've tried to get my friends to listen. Yeah, but now times are different. And times are people are hungry and people are looking for something. So get them the word. Get them the word. Now, next Sunday, April 12th, is Resurrection Sunday. And, uh, you know, that's a special time of year for us. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, what everything about Christianity is about. And so we always have communion on Easter Sunday. And so we're still going to do that. But the way we're going to have to do it is that if you're going to be at home watching the video, the live feed, then uh, you're going to need to get your own communion prepared. Get your own bread, get your own juice, get ready, because we're going to take communion all together. For those of you that come and you're in the parking lot next week, and I think it would be good to be, to be here if you can. Uh, I know it's a little more inconvenient because you have to get your clothes on. Yeah, I know. Some of y'all are out there sitting there in your pajamas right now, drinking a cup of coffee, eating a muffin, just watching me. See, I saw you. I, I, I can see you. I can see through that camera on the other end. I'm looking the other way, too. No, not really. I'm joking. But, uh, but we're going to, if you're here, we're going to have communion cups for you. We already have prepackaged cups that we will be giving you in the parking lot. So we'll be taking communion all together. I want to pray for people again. I want to do the window ministry next week and bless you. Yeah, even if it's just a fast drive through and let me just lay hands in your vehicle and bless you. Um, I'm just believing God that every touch counts. And uh, so if you do come, we'll have that for you and be doing that. But we're going to take it all together at one time at the end. Okay. So uh, just get prepared for that. Uh, another thing we need to talk about, praise God, I love it. My phone's blowing up over here. The text coming in. I like that. Give me my handshakes and my thumbs up this morning. Um, okay, so we're in a new month and we have a new confession scripture. So we're mailing that out to everybody. So be looking in the mail for that. But let me just give it to you here. You can go on the app and it's there and on the, on the website, it's there. But here's the, here's the confession for this month. Jesus lives in me. Therefore, I can walk through every problem in life and not be hurt. My health, happiness, and financial prosperity is secured in the palm of my Father's hand. When I fall, His angels lift me up. When I'm sick, He heals me. When I'm discouraged, His word is there for me. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, not death and destruction. So I will shout and rejoice my way through life. You know, these confessions, I wrote them all up. And we used some of them back in 2017. I've got some new ones we're putting in here. But I didn't pick the, I just kind of sorted them up. Didn't even realize that this month, while we're facing all the things we're facing right now, this was the confession for the month. I said, man, Holy Ghost, you line that up. So anyway, you can go get them on, on the websites and the, and the phone app. They're there. But we are mailing one to you, so you'll have it. So, you know, ever since... Times have changed, it's, you know, and, and, and we've been doing this. I, I'll be honest with you, I've just been 
you know, kind of like I got sucker punched trying to figure all this out and what we're doing. And I praise God for his grace and his mercy and what he's doing to get this out to everybody and that people are listening and being blessed by it. But uh, I realize that I've kind of neglected taking up an offering. You know, y'all are such an amazing church. Y'all have been sending your offerings in, but I really haven't had time to, or really haven't stopped to pray over your offerings. So I'm just going to do an official, uh, we're taking up the offering right now, you know, so we have ushers in the parking lot. If you're in the parking lot and you need an offering envelope, honk at one of them. They'll go over there and give you the offering envelope. But uh, I want to share a little bit because finances are really hard right now. Uh, people are, you know, giving really doomsday reports about what's going on in the economy. But you got to understand something, church. There's two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of this world. If you're already locked in and invested in the kingdom of God, well, then it supersedes the kingdom of this world. If you're in the kingdom of this world and trying to operate all your finances just by the principles of the kingdom of this world, well, then, you know, man, we're in troubled times and it gets hard. So let me give you a little bit here. Uh, in the Bible, Luke chapter 12, verse 16 is a story. It says, then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. So he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns, I'll build greater, and there store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for you for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, here's this guy, and he said, man, everything's, my crops are the greatest in the world. Man, I got all this, this abundance. What am I going to do? He tears his barn down. He fills it up. But the problem was, see, he was only thinking about himself. He was being selfish and self-centered. And so what happens is, is that when you don't make God the source of your attention, the source of your life, the source of your heart, the source. He's, you got to be rich towards God with everything that you have. Well, then God says, well, I take care of what's mine. Another scripture in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who are wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. Listen to this. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. You see, God has a way to make things work when you're invested in the kingdom of God. And so I know the world system looks crazy right now, but you've got to not look at the world system. You've got to look at the kingdom of God system. If you're in covenant with God through tithing and through giving, if you've honored the Lord, like, the, like Proverbs 3 says, with your possessions and the first fruits of your increase, well, then it says, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats are going to overflow with new wine. It's the principle of the kingdom of God. So don't get in fear. God has a way to make a way where it all works out. I can't always tell you how it's going to happen. I can't tell you whatever things going to look like, but I can tell you this. If you're in covenant with God, he's going to take care of what's his. 
So put your hand over your offerings. I want to bless your finances this morning. If you're out there and you say, well, uh, you know, if you don't have, if you're giving electronically, because you can do that, you can go to the website, you can just give on there, push the button, what you want to give, do the amount, follow that thing. Or if you've mailed a check in, you know, to box 534 here in Utopia, you can, you can do that. But get something that's a point of contact wherever you are this morning. I want to pray over your finances. So Father, right now, in Jesus' name, wherever anyone is, whatever they've done, I, I, we just pray right now that your hand is upon their finances, that you are the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. You are the God who makes miracles happen. You're the God that multiplies the food to the thousands. You're the God who, who parts the Red Sea. You're the God who just does amazing things in the midst of trouble. So, Father, right now, I pray over everyone's finances. I pray that they are blessed. I pray that their businesses are blessed, their jobs are blessed, everything they do and they put their hands to is blessed, that finances come in from the north, the south, the east, and the west, and that, Lord, you give them an eye and an ear to see opportunity and to walk in it and be blessed, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. So you hang on to that. Amen. Got the honkers out in the parking lot this morning going. So all you honkers out in the parking lot and all you people watching today, just get your Bibles out now. Love it. You know, that's probably one thing that will never get to change now from the church. There's always going to be somebody out honking in the parking lot. So today is Palm Sunday. Today is the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem. And so I'm going to, this, this whole message is, is about the King of Glory. That last song we sang during praise and worship is really what this is all about this morning, the King of Glory. Jesus the King. That's what we're preaching this morning. And so in your Bible, turn to Mark 11, 1. Gospel of Mark 11, 1. <clears throat> it says now, when they were drew near Jerusalem, to Bethpage in Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go to the village opposite you, and as you have entered in, you will find a colt tied, which no one ever sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Saying, The Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. So they went their way. They found a colt tied by the door outside on the street. They loosed it. And some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing? Loosen the colt. And they spoke to them just as the Lord had commanded. So they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and he threw their clothes on it and he sat on it. And, he sp and, and many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed out cried, saying, Hosanna, <clears throat> blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all the things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with his 12. Now, the, all of those people that were out there that day along the road, 
They laid down palm branches. They laid down their clothes because they were looking at Jesus as their king. They thought Jesus was going to go into the temple. They thought that he was the Messiah. He was, his time had come and that he was going to go into the temple and that he was going to set up rule and reign. But in their minds, they had in their, their, that already conceived how this is going to look. Because all they'd ever seen is another conquering king come in and what he did. So their minds said, well, we're going to see Jesus come in. He's going to run these Romans out. He's going to set up his rule and reign. And we're going to be doing good just living underneath the rule and reign of this righteous king, Jesus. So Jesus gets on a colt. He rides it into town. He goes into the temple. And then he just turns around and he walks out. And I know the people were freaking out. They were thinking, what's going on? What is happening? How could this be? Because you see, they had lived that there was a prophecy declaring that their king was going to come in riding on a colt. So they were hanging on to this Old Testament prophecy and waiting for Jesus, the king, to come, but he didn't come like they thought. The reason why is, let me read The Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 36. John 18, 36. It says, Jesus answered, he's talking to Pilate. He said, my kingdom's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So Jesus plainly stated he is a king and he has a kingdom. But his kingdom just not of this earth. That's what he told Pilate. So you got to understand something. You got you to grab this. When Jesus walked in, when he rode that donkey in, he was fulfilling prophecy. He rode him in. He went into the temple. He was a king. Everybody was looking at Jesus thinking he was going to become a king. But you got to understand, he already was a king, but just not of this world, the kingdom of heaven. He fulfilled that day, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, which states, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout for joy of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt of a fold of a donkey. That's what they had been reading. All their life, they'd gone to church, they'd heard Zechariah 9, 9, prophesied, one day the king's coming, one day the king's coming, one day the king's coming, one day the king's coming. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jesus right And They said, ah, there's our king right there. He's coming. And then he just went to the temple and he left. But you got to understand something. He wasn't going to become a king. He already was a king. Hear me now. He already was a king, the king of glory, the king of heaven. He already was a king when he rode in there. So let's look at this a little further, because what I want to do is I want to take you through some of the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus and his kingship and who he is, not who he was, who he is. And I want to show you some of that in the Old Testament, but I've I got to let you look at this first. Go to the book of Luke, Gospel of Luke 24, 13. It's a story about the road to Emmaus. And a lot of you or may be familiar with this story, but I want to bring out one point here and I want you to look at. So let's look at the story. Luke 24, 13. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. 
So they were talking together the things that had happened, and so it was that while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and he went to them. But their eyes were restrained. They did not know it was him. And he said to them, what are you, what are you guys talking about? And they said, what are you talking about with one another and, walk, and, and as you're walking here? Sad. And one whose name was Cleophas answered and said, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happened in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God, all the people, and how the chief priests and how the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping, see it? It says, we were hoping that he was he who was going to redeem Israel. See, they were hoping that, they, that Jesus was going to fulfill Zechariah 9.9. He was the king. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that he, they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So think about this. Jesus stopped. He did a Bible study with them right quick because he was the word. He started back from Moses and he began to explain them, said, look, it was already all spelled out for you. It was already all spelled out for you in the Old Testament. It was already here, already written out. All of it was proclaiming that the king was coming and it's me, but you missed it. You didn't see it right. You thought I was going to come down and do war and get rid of the Romans, but I came down and I conquered more than that. I conquered the devil, death, hell, and the grave. Amen. So what happened was, is he then expounded to them, showed them all the Old Testament scriptures, that he was the king. So what I want to do is I want us to go look at a few of those. I want us to go look at a few of those. But before I do that, I need to explain something to you. Now, I'm going to use the example of me marrying my wife, all right? So if someone would have come to me when I was a baby boy laying in the crib, and they would have said to me, uh, I declare that someday this man will marry a woman. Well, I mean, that's not too good of a prophecy. I mean, you know, that, that kind of figures it would do. But there's only one element to that prophecy, that I would marry a woman, okay? There's just one element. There's a law called, and when you do studies like this and, 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 and you're looking scientifically at things, there's a law called the law of compound probabilities. So it means that every time you put one element you're going to get married. You're going to marry. Well, I guess that's two. You're going to get married and there's a woman. That would be two. But let's just say it's one. Every time you do one probability, then it compounds by one. So then there's a two to one chance it's going to happen. But the more detailed you get into the probabilities, then it starts raising the odds of it happening. So if they would have said, you're going to marry a girl, and she's going to have brown hair. Okay, that threw in another element. And then she's going to have blue eyes. That threw in another element. 
Okay, and so the, the odds start doubling with each element of prophecy to that deal. So if they said she's going to be five foot five, her name will be Laura. And they keep adding it and adding it. Well, then the odds of that happening by a prophecy become greater and greater and greater and greater and greater. So there is a whole bunch of prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. But in order for Jesus to be the Son of God, for him to fulfill the prophecies of the coming king, there are 44 prophecies in the Old Testament that are foundational. 44. So if you did the odds, did the math, and you started saying with the 44 key elements that Jesus needed to fulfill, you do all 44 of them, you start doubling it each time, the number gets to be 17,592,186,000. No, I still didn't do that right. It's 17 and a half trillion to one. To give you an odds of that, if you go get numbers on a lottery on the Mega Millions and you get one ticket, you have one in 302.6 million chance to win. This is 17 trillion. For Jesus to fulfill every one of the prophecies. It was 17 trillion to one, 17 trillion odds that he isn't going to make it. And he did. All right? So let's look at a few of these. Isaiah 7.14. Isaiah 7.14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. The birth of Jesus. That's the one that we all knew. I'd pick that one right off the bat because you always hear that one at Christmas. But this is what happened. This is a prophecy that had to be fulfilled. Now, you've got to understand something. Isaiah prophesied this hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born of Mary in a manger. But he fulfilled it. It was one of the 17 trillion that was against him. Okay? Now, here's another one. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Daniel 9, 24. In Daniel's vision about the end times, he says, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgressions, to make an end of, of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to steal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. 490 years was prophesied by Daniel that at that time the king was coming. 490 years had come to pass. That's why the wise men were going and looking for Jesus. That's why they had looked and seen the stars in the sky and were going to try to find Jesus because people had already looked in the Old Testament and they already knew these prophecies were there about Jesus. And so they were looking for him. Now, in the same, in the same, uh, the same, vain, uh, Micah chapter 5 verse 2 was, it says that they will be born in Bethlehem. You remember when Jesus, I'm kind of going over this, I'm going to give you, you can go study the scriptures later, but I just kind of want to preach this. Just think about this. When, when the wise men came and they went to Herod and asked, 
about the star and what was going to be born. He went, Herod did, and talked to the Pharisees of the day, the religious people of the day, and said, hey, where's he supposed to be born? They then went into the Old Testament to Micah chapter 5, verse 2, which says, but you, O Bethlehem, though you were little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of all of you shall come forth, come forth to me, the one to rule in Israel, whose goings forth are from old. So they already knew. They already knew they'd been reading it. The scholars and prophets had been studying and reading and, and looking, and, that, and, and they knew that Micah said that Jesus was coming, or the king was going to be born in Bethlehem. So when Herod asked the wise men, I mean, when the wise men asked Herod, and they went off, and Herod asked the other guys, they already knew it. That's what Jesus was doing to the guys on the road to Emmaus. He was explaining to them, I fulfilled the scriptures. I am the king that's coming. Here's another one. Isaiah 7, 14. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So his name being Jesus was already prophesied. They knew what his name was going to be. They knew where he was going to be buried. They knew what time he was going to come. All the scriptures were lining up. Everything in the Bible was lining up. It was just, going, it was just coming down to a line. They knew it, that the king was coming. But then when the king came, they couldn't accept it. It was like Jesus, he was being the humble servant because they forgot that he was the servant king. He was a king coming to die for our sins so that he could defeat death, hell, and the grave, put that behind him and go on to the king of glory and offer salvation to everyone. They missed that part. They wanted a conquering king. They wanted a king that come in and defeat those nasty old Romans and get them out of there and make everything better. Somebody give me a honk. Praise God. Now, you see, what happens is, is we do the same thing with Jesus. We get in our mind what we want Jesus to do for us. We forget that he's the king and we're the servants. We want Jesus to do what we want Jesus to do, how we want Jesus to do it, rather than saying, going and saying, Lord, here I am. I'm here today with my, <laughs> I'm here today with my sword in my hand. What would you want me to do, Lord? We're all sitting around trying to get, tell Jesus what he needs to be doing. Well, listen, you don't tell the king what he needs to be doing. He's the king. Come on, let me show you another one here. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. I love it when y'all text me. Because you must be at home. Honk, honk, honk. I like that. Yeah, that works good. Let's me know you're out there. 2 Samuel 7, 12 says, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you and it, and it will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That was saying he was going to be from the line of David. You ever know why you go read in, in Matthew's gospel and he's got all, you know, and so, so and so begat, so and so and begat, so and so and begat, so and so and begat, so and so? Well, it's all to prove the lineage of line that, that Mary was in the line of David. So therefore, Jesus was being born and fulfilling the scripture because he had a, he had a one in a trillion shot to make it, one in 17 trillion. So he had to fulfill every scripture. Okay, 
I, I'm really trying to get this across to you this morning. I just want you to understand. I can't go through every one of these because it's, it's too much, but I'm just trying to pull out the ones that you would know from reading the Christmas stories and you hear all this verbiage because I want you to get this in your head today. I want to get it down into your heart today that Jesus was a king. He came as a king. He was a king, but it just didn't line up like we thought it would. He was going to the cross to defeat death, hell, and the grave. You got to understand there's two kingdoms. There's a spiritual kingdom. There's a natural kingdom. He's already the king of the spiritual kingdom. It's this natural kingdom we're dealing with down here, but he's already king of the spirit. So they already knew, according to Hosea 11.1, Hosea 11.1, it says, when Israel, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. So they already knew that he was going to have to have a season to go to Egypt. Well, we know that Jesus, when, when, when Herod was trying to kill everybody, Joseph took Mary and the baby. They went to Egypt for a season. Then they came back and went to Nazareth. Why did they come back to Nazareth? Because the Bible had already prophesied, or the, you know, the prophets had already prophesied in the word that he had to be a Nazarite. So you see, everything begins to line up when you start looking at it, what Jesus was doing in his life to fulfill this. But you see, the odds were all against him. Seventeen and a half trillion to one that he would make it. And there's more than 44. It says in Jeremiah 31, 15, a, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentations and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. They prof it was already prophesied what Herod was going to do. Okay? Here's another one. Isaiah 40, verse 3. It was always already prophesied that John the Baptist was going to go before Jesus. It says, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in a desert, a highway for our God. Now, just think about this, folks. Listen to me. you got to look at the whole full story. Look at how big our God is. Look at how amazing our God is. He got a couple of old people pregnant. I mean, did I say any more about that? Okay. You got, you got John the Baptist being born in a miracle. You got Mary being, becoming pregnant by a miracle. You've got this whole situation arising so that John the Baptist could be going before Jesus, preaching the, bapti the baptism of repentance to bring in and usher in Jesus, the Lamb of God, coming in for the sacrifice of the world. And God arranged all that. All I'm saying to you, church, is we've got to rise up today on this Palm Sunday. We've got to begin to realize that God is bigger than we give him credit for God has got things rolling along, and sometimes you look like when all of this is going on and, and the coronavirus has come and, and people are being sick and, and other people aren't, and some people this and some people that, and then our economy gets shaken. Everybody gets to freaking out, and we forget that we already serve a king. His name is Jesus. We begin to look to the world, and we think that we're operating by this world system. Folks, listen to me. If you're going to live your life and you believe that you're, we live in this world system, but we don't operate by this world system. Hear what I'm saying. We live in this world, but we do not operate by this world system. This operation of this world system is full of hate, full of fear, full of domination, full of intimidation. That's the way that the world operates. Come on, that's the way the world operates. We're our kingdom. We operate in love, faith, prayer. That's what we operate in. Giving, that's what we operate in. 
The world doesn't say that. There's no financial person that operates in the world system is that you're going to be able to say, oh, well, well just give and it shall be given unto you. Good measures, pressing and shaking together and running over. There. You can't give and get. The kingdom of God system says, no, honor me and give it to me and watch what I do for you. That's what the, world, the, the kingdom of God system says. They're two opposing kingdoms. Look what's going on right now in the world. There's two opposing systems going on. There's nurses in the hospitals today and churches out praying over hospitals and people are believing in God and for prayer. And then there's others over here just still just gnarling their teeth and are ugly and mean and chopping and cutting and hurting and just, just telling everybody that they don't know what they're doing. It's just, it's just crazy. But it's light is getting brighter and darkness. Well, I bet you're going to get snuffed out pretty quick. It's my prophecy. Okay. So I want you to go now, go to the book of Psalms, chapter 24, Psalms 24, verse 7. So like I said, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time going through every one of those prophecies, but I just picked out some of the ones of the 44 main ones that you would know, you would recognize because you've heard that. You've listened to the Christmas story. You know those things. But listen to me, folks. Jesus got it out. He went on that road to Emmaus. He laid it out from Moses all the way through the prophecy that I'm the son of God. Laid it out that I'm the king, all right? So look at Psalms 24, 7. It says, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen? Now, I love verse 8. If you read verse 8 in the Passion Translation, it says, You ask, who is the glory king? The Lord armed and ready for battle, the mighty one, invincible in every way. Folks, listen to me. Psalms 24, which comes, you know, right after Psalms 23, that we look at the Lord as my shepherd, I shall not want. But we've got to see the other side of Jesus. He's the king of glory. And he says, I'm the king of glory, and whoever lifts up their gates or their heart to me, the king of glory will come in and it says, I'm a king who's strong and mighty. I'm not a king who's weak and can't defeat. I am a king who who charges the Goliaths of this world and defeats them. Think of the story of David and Goliath. It's a type and shadow of Jesus as a human. The human, the man God here on earth. It's a type of that, that David was like Jesus the type of, the shadow of, and Goliath being this world system. And what did David do? Went down there, picked up five smooth stones and blew them off and said, I won't kill me a giant today. He said, because that giant's not in covenant with my God. In other words, the giant was operating in the world system, but David was operating in the supernatural. He's operating in the kingdom principle. Folks, listen to me. I just want to ask you a question. Are you believing in this time that's taking place right now? You may have mustered up your faith and and you're believing God for that you not become sick. 
But listen to me. Are you believing God that he's the king of glory in your life? Are you believing that God is the king of glory, that he can walk into your house, that he can multiply your food? Huh? Are you believing that, you know, your box of Cheerios just doesn't go empty? You say, oh, pastor, that's too much. I'm just telling you, that's Bible. God's a multiplier. Hey, how about this one? Your roll of toilet paper just doesn't quit. I mean, it just keeps rolling off the roll. I mean, come on. I'd like to see that one. I mean, come on, God. Let's get some faith going out there. You say, I don't know. I, I went through the coronavirus with one roll, man. Just keep pulling off. Just keep pulling off. Keep pulling off. See, we're always praying. We're always thinking. See, we get to be thinking, oh, God, just let there be toilet paper in the store today. Lord, I need toilet paper. I need whatever. But, I mean, why not believe God for crazy things? He is the king of glory. He multiplied the fishes and the loaves. He multiplied everything. Why can't we just believe for the king of glory to step into our house? Amen. But he's not going to do it unless you've lifted up your heart and lifted up your doors to him and put faith in him. And what I'm trying to get to you today is that you've got to understand he is the all he already was and already is now the king of glory. He is the king of heaven. He is the one who is strong in battle. And just like David, when he took Goliath's head off and it didn't look like it, nobody realized when Jesus went into the temple that he was going to defeat a bigger giant than the Romans. He was going to defeat death, hell, and the grave. If you follow me on this church, are you with me? He was going to defeat death, death. Not the Roman governors and the Roman armies and legions. He was going to defeat death, hell, and the grave. See, the Democrats are not in charge of death. Jesus is in charge. Go go read Revelation 1. It says when John saw Jesus, he walked up and says, I got the keys. I got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He said, they're mine. I got them. We want to think that this world system has the answer for death. We got the answer. It's Jesus. Now, I just want you to understand. You got to understand. I think that through our religiousness, through our, you know, going to church, sometimes we get, we get, it watered down in our life. We just get to say, oh, yes, and, and yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. But we forget who he is. We forget who Jesus is and that that king, the king of heaven, went to the cross for us. We forget that. Let's, let me just read this to you. Let me read this to you again here. Daniel seven thirteen. It's just in Daniel's vision here and what he says he sees in heaven. I was watching in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. Dominion, glory, and a kingdom. That all the peoples, Nations and languages should serve him. 
His dominion was everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. His kingdom was one which shall not be destroyed. Listen to me. Jesus and the kingdom of heaven is not going to ever be defeated by anything. It is the only kingdom that is going to last forever. The devil tried. The devil tried to come up and, and, and have a war. And the Bible says Jesus said he saw, saw him fall from heaven like lightning. Man, he was gone. That wasn't much of a fight at all. Now think about this. This is a powerful kingdom, a kingdom that never ends. That's what makes me so mad when people are trying to tell me that, that you know, God's doing this or God's doing that. Listen to me. God has got a kingdom that never ends. God has have a powerful kingdom. He has a kingdom that will not end. Let me, let me show you something else. Let me show you something else. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Verse 1. Listen to this about what's taking place in heaven. I saw in his right hand him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, a seal with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seal? And no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, ah, don't weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll he is, and, and to loose its seven seals. And here you go. This, this, this is taking place in heaven. There's a scroll that nobody is says nobody's worthy to open. There's nobody on heaven, in heaven or earth. Michael, the archangel, couldn't open it. Gabriel couldn't open it. So John begins to weep and said, hey, nobody can open the scroll because it came from God. And so the guy, hey, don't worry. You forgot about the line of the tribe of Judah. The one over here, his name's Jesus, who's prevailed so that he's worthy to open it. Folks, listen to me. What Jesus did for us on the cross, on this Palm Sunday, going to the cross, getting all this preparation for this week and next week when there's going to be the resurrection. All he was doing was fulfilling prophecy of who he was. A 17 and a half trillion to one bet, but Jesus was pulling it all off. He was at the right time. He's at the right place, the right birth, the right everything. God was lining it all up for the king of glory to come in. He goes in. Listen to me. He goes in and he says, huh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and just looked at the temple. And you got to understand, the temple was probably pretty, pretty spectacular. But Jesus already come from a throne. He'd already been in heaven. He already knew what was in the kingdom of heaven. He already knew what he's waiting. And I, I kind of think he went in there. To see, this is the best man could come up with. And folks, I'm telling you today, some of you out there listening to this broadcast today, watching this live feeder, you're in doubt and unbelief. You're, you've got Jesus beat down, to, and you've got him dumbed down in, in our religious ways to where we don't even believe he could do anything. We got him just like, like, like Jesus is just, just, just like, like he, well, we're not married. I don't know if we're going to make it or not. And I'm saying, folks, we've got to understand something. He's the king of glory. And there is nothing. When Jesus says there's nothing impossible, there's nothing impossible with me, 
He was saying that because he knew he was the king of glory. He knew there was nothing impossible with him. We got to understand our economy, that's not anything that's impossible for God. Our, the coronavirus is not something that's impossible for God. You know, it, it, folks, we just got to start grabbing hold of faith and the one in whom we believed. Now, the most, come on, give me some honks. We've got to turn literally from our wicked ways of doubt and unbelief and start realizing we, when we got saved, we gave our lives to Jesus, we bowed our knee to the king of glory. You see, and, and, and don't, don't be offended with me because we all see things differently. But I grew up seeing Jesus, you know, holding the lamb and stroking the lamb and everybody talking about love. And it, and it gives you this imagery that Jesus is soft, that he's, you know, just, you know, easy to run over. But the truth of the matter is he's the king of glory. He came as a God man on this earth for one purpose, to lay his life down on the cross for you and me, to give his life up on this earth. The devil thinking he beat him, but he beating then death, hell, and the grave by the resurrection, which we're going to celebrate next week. Right now, right now, the place where you stand is in Revelation 3.20, where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But is anybody going to open it? Listen to me. The king, the king is knocking at your door. Now, the same king in the garden when they came to take him to the cross and Peter cuts the guy's ear off is the same king that said at the time, Peter, look, put your sword up. If I wanted to, I could call 12 legions of angels. Why? He could call upon his army because he was a commander of the army. You've got to understand this. All of heaven had to just be up there on the, up just looking over the, the, the precipice of heaven to earth and just be saying, oh, come on. You know, Michael, the archangel, just saying, come on, let me just go down there, man. I will tear somebody up. I mean, I, I mean they got to just been grieving and just crying out to not just swarm down and smash this earth for what they did to their king. But God said, no, 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 he's doing this for all of them too. Now listen to me. Get this in your heart. You've been full of doubt and unbelief, but listen to me. The king set down his glory in heaven. The king set down his glory in heaven to come to this earth to die for you. And now he stands knocking at the door saying, can I come in? The only one that can keep him out is you. If you won't open the door for Jesus, then he's not going to break it down. If you don't welcome him into your heart, he's not going to force his way in. You have to understand in the times that we're in right now, there's going to be a day that the dispensation of the age of grace we're in, it stops. It just ends. Just like the last dispensation we're in ended when Jesus came, it can end just like that. But the next dispensation to come is when Jesus is coming back with his angels on white horses from heaven. 
and nobody is going to stand against him. But right now, he's still knocking at the door. He's still knocking at the door. He's wanting you to do what Psalms 24 says. So throw open the gates. Throw open the gates and let him come in. Throw open the gates and say, here I am. Just throw open the gates and say, here I am, Lord. I believe in you and I trust in you. And he will. He says, if anybody knocks and opens to me, I'm going to come in and I'm going to dine with him and he with me. I'm going to sit down and eat with you. Jesus said, any person that believes in me, they're never going to be ashamed. So church, right now, this is what we need to do in this time. People are scared. People are in fear. And we have to be the light of the world. We have to be the salt in the middle of this world. And so we have to be those that are ready to have an answer for people. And the answer is Jesus. It's that simple. It's just Jesus. But if you're out there watching this this, this uh, live feed this morning, and you're, you're sitting there questioning if you've opened up the gates of your heart and let Jesus come in, well, then I want to pray for you. Because I'm telling you right now, this is a day to get the king in your house. Get the king of glory on the inside of you. And to start walking as a child of God in faith. So I've got two prayers I'm going to pray this morning. The first one is for those of you that aren't sure that you know Jesus is the Lord of your life. I want to pray for you right now. The second prayer I'm going to pray is for those of you that have been in doubt and unbelief. I'm going to do that second. But first, right now, grab hold of this. If you're out there, just begin to cry out and say, Jesus, come into my heart. I open up the gates of my life to you. I say, let the king of glory come in. I believe that you are the king. You are the Son of God who gave your life for me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood and make me right with you. Lord, I thank you for saving me. Now, if you just prayed that and you meant that from a sincere heart, then I want to tell you something. The king just came into your house. For those of you out there, that maybe you've been getting scared. You, maybe you've been getting in doubt and unbelief. You've been wringing your hands, wondering about what's going to happen, what's going to happen with the economy, what's going to happen with this and that and the other. Listen to me. I want to pray for you because stand up, open up your eyes, and realize the king is in you. You've listened to too much doubt and unbelief. You've been listening to too much of the ways of the world. You haven't been listening to, to what's the gospel truth and what Jesus has prophesied about himself. So let me pray for you. Father, right now, we repent for doubt and unbelief. Lord, we repent where we've gotten in fear and not, not trusted in you. Lord, forgive us for, for letting our minds get over and, 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 and get to operating in the, in the world system versus the kingdom of God system. We do believe in you. We do trust in you. We want the king of glory to set up reign in our lives. So, Lord, today, as we repent, we ask you just to forgive us. We thank you for your forgiveness, that you are a gracious king, and that you have ridden into the, to our hearts. You're a gracious king. And, Lord, today, we take up arms and we take up battle today, battle assignments through prayer. 
to have faith in you, to know that the King of glory is who we fight for. The King of glory is on our side. And so, Lord, I praise you for it. I thank you for doing supernatural signs and wonders and events in people's lives, blessing them, leading them, guiding them, directing them. But, Lord, I know for sure that if we seek you, you said we'd find you. And so, Lord, I just praise you for that. I thank you for it. Lord, put your hand on us all and bless us at this time. Lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I praise you that at the end of this, all glory and honor goes unto you. We love you. We praise you. Amen. God bless you, church. I love you guys. Be blessed, and I'll catch you the next broadcast.